Thank you, James and Donovan, for clearing the snowballs. That was awesome. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here today. If you're new with us at Centerpoint, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm glad you came. Stop by the blue tables after service today. And, and uh, hey, I want to welcome some people, especially if you are 6 or 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 years old. If you're 6 or 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 and you're here right now, could you just raise your hand and shout, hello? hello. Yay! Come on, would you celebrate all of our young friends who are in here today? This is special, you know, because usually our kids are over in CP Kids, and I love being able to have you as uh, snowball-throwing guests here. And uh, so I'm really glad that you're here. I get to see you for a change. Excellent. And uh, hey, I wanted to just share something with you. I got the, uh, the, the chance to go to Thailand earlier this year, and uh, I went there with Compassion International. We, we were serving at-risk uh, youth and, and kids and I had the chance to go there with a group of people, and it just happened to be the end of the Lantern Festival in Thailand when I got there. So where we went in Chiang Mai, Thailand, it's a, a long journey. It's about 37 hours, four flights to get there. And by the time you get to a place like that, that far away, you're exhausted. So there's a whole group of us, and we get there at about 9 p.m., and everybody's completely exhausted, but it's the last night of the Lantern Festival, and everyone wants to go to sleep, but me and this one other guy were thinking, hold on, this is Thailand, our first time here, and it's the last night of the festival, let's hit the streets, and so me and this one other guy went out on the town, and, and we're walking down some alleyways, and then we found, you know, groups of people that were just lighting off these beautiful fire lanterns, and uh, rising them into the sky, and I had seen that kind of thing in little videos online and pictures and whatnot, and I've always thought, man, that's so beautiful. I hope I get a chance to see it one day, and it was so cool to just be out there on the streets and just without any fanfare. It wasn't a big program. It was just individual people just sending up these lanterns, and we were just taking the pictures. It was awesome to see it, but I really wanted to do it, you know, so we kept walking, and finally, we found this one old guy who was selling these paper lanterns. And uh, we bought a couple of them from him, and, and then we got to do our own prayers in Jesus' name, sending up these lanterns. And it was awesome to have the chance to do this. I want you to check this out. It was, it was fun. Sending up the prayers for Thailand right now. Yeah. pretty. I mean, I thought that was so beautiful. And there's something about just seeing that, that bright, fiery lantern light rising up against the dark night sky that it just, it hits something inside. And I think it's because deep down, all of us recognize this, that, that there's something about the goodness, the inherent goodness of light, especially against the backdrop of that darkness. And it speaks to something deep inside of us because, I mean, most of us spent time growing up where at least for a few months, maybe a few years, we were probably afraid of the, the dark, right? I mean, a lot of us can relate to that. I, all three of my kids had at least a year and in some cases a few years where when it came time to go to sleep, all the lights had to be on. Not just the night light, all the lights, right? And, and there was this sense, and I remember having that kind of a season when I was a kid too, there's this sense that if the lights are on, I'm going to be okay. That the darkness seems to lose its power as long as the light is shining. And, and that, that speaks to each one of us in a profound way. And it's because there is inside of each one of us a desire, a need for that light that could shine even though there is darkness. 
But, but I don't have to probably tell you about the darkness. The truth is, as you and I grow up, we come to understand that, that darkness is a problem. And it's not just about whether the light switch was flipped or not. The darkness that is there in this world seems to assault us sometimes. I mean, it's the, the, the senseless violence, the murder, the rage, the racism, the political animosity, the uh, bitterness, the, the, the war, whatever. All of that darkness out there in the world it begins to become something heavy to us. But, but sometimes the darkness comes even closer, and it's the deep despair we feel and the tragedies that we live through and, and the unanswered unanswered problems that we're living with, those things become like darkness to us, and, and they become heavy and ominous and painful. And it's, it's something that throughout all human history, we as people have had to contend with the reality of darkness, and what are we going to do about it? And there's a prophet by the name of Isaiah. He's a prophet of the Jewish people. And 800 years or so before Christmas, Isaiah seems to be catching a sense of of this dynamic, and he's speaking on one hand to an immediate circumstance, but he's also speaking to the spiritual reality all around the globe, and he's talking about this problem of darkness, and in Isaiah chapter 59, verse, uh, verse 9, I want you to just see this. This is a part of the reality that we all face. He said, justice is far from us. Righteousness does not reach us. We look for light. Say that next part out loud with me. But all is darkness for brightness but we walk in deep shadows and you know the truth is for some of us this idea of walking in deep shadows it's not just some poetic concept you know we've lived with deep shadows we've felt the effect of the weight of that darkness and and the prophet Isaiah is really speaking from the heart of God and saying right it's real. That's something that we can relate to. All of us have experienced the effect of the shadow side of this life. And when that darkness begins to come closer and closer, we're wondering what we do. But that prophet Isaiah, the same prophet, he spoke another word, a prophetic word. After speaking about the darkness, he's at the same time speaking about something else he saw. It's like as though, as a prophet, he's peering into the spiritual realm, into something that would happen hundreds of years in the future. And, and it's as though he caught a glimpse of something. And maybe he didn't see the whole thing, but he saw enough of it that he couldn't keep it to himself. He had to say these words. And the words I'm talking about are the words that Isaiah spoke in Isaiah 9-2. He said these words that are familiar to us. Say it out loud with me. Ready? Go. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Say this again. A light will shine. Come on. Say it again louder. A light will shine. And there was a certainty about these words that Isaiah spoke. He had some kind of a confidence about it. And it's because he had seen it. I mean, maybe not the whole entire thing, but he saw enough that he knew that it had to be proclaimed. And you know what happened? The Jewish people heard these words. Those walking in the land and living in the land of deep darkness will see a great light. A light will shine. And you know what it did for them? It gave them hope. That prophetic promise gave people in the middle of the shadows and the darkness a reason to keep taking each next step. 
That prophetic promise gave people who were living in the shadow side of life and in the valley a reason to keep hoping and believing. It's, it's, it's kind of like this. I'll give you an analogy. I'm, I'm guessing that if you're six or seven or eight years old or nine or ten, you probably are hoping to get some Christmas presents. Am I right? Are you hoping to get some Christmas presents? I thought so. And you know what I found out? I found out that this year in California, the three most requested gifts are, number one, the Nintendo Switch. I mean, that's kind of at the top of a lot of people's list. Anybody hoping for a Nintendo Switch? I don't, I'm not making any promises right now. I'm just asking, right? And then uh, the second most requested gift is Nerf guns. Any kind of Nerf guns. And that was the same when I was a kid. Like, some things never changed. Nerf guns. And the third most requested gift uh, is the Buzz Lightyear walking action figure. Not the one from 10 years ago that just stands there. The walking one. Anyway, these are the three most requested gifts. So, here's the analogy. If you are seven or eight or nine years old, you've probably told somebody what you want for Christmas. You've probably let mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or Santa Claus, you've let somebody know what you want for Christmas. And, and maybe it goes a little bit something like this. Let's just say you, you've let your somebody know one of those three gifts is what you're hoping for. And then some funny things begin to happen. Like dad goes out to run some errands and says, I'm going to do some errands. I'll be back. And you ask, where are you going, dad? And he says, oh, just to infinity and beyond. <laughs> that, that was like a clue, right? It was a little hint. And you find yourself going, I think I'm getting the Buzz Lightyear guy. Or, or maybe uh, your mom's going and she says, I got to go to Best Buy. Uh, and I'll be back. And you say, okay, we'll be good. And she says, super. Don't smash your brothers while I'm gone. <laughs> and you're like, super, smash brothers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm getting a Nintendo Switch. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like th there was something about, th they didn't say the whole thing, but they said enough of something that it gave you a, a hint, a clue that gave you hope that you're holding on to for tomorrow. <laughs> When the prophet Isaiah spoke those words saying, those living in the darkness, a light will shine. He didn't give the whole entire thing, but those words gave God's people just enough hope to keep holding on and believing. And for hundreds of years, the Jewish people held on to those promises from the prophets about the light that would shine. And for hundreds of years, they're hoping and waiting and eagerly looking forward to when it would happen. And then Christmas happens. And it happens in a, in a way, if you're at all familiar with the story, that you've probably uh, heard before. But, you know, they had to go back. Mary and Joseph had to go back up to Bethlehem to do the census. And that's where it happened. In fact, let's just jump into the, the scriptures together and, and hear it. And not that uh, Aaron and Heather didn't already do a fantastic job acting it out. But I want to make sure we hear it again. It said in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 6, while they were there, a time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. In a sense, that's it. That's Christmas. It happened right there. The baby was born. But a lot of times what God does is allows us to experience something but then also to receive insight and understanding at a deeper level about what has happened. And so that's what comes next. In verse 8 it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. 
I bring you good news. Everyone shout, good news. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And then they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Everyone say, this child. So much attention on this child, this child that would be the fulfillment of hundreds of years of promises from the heart of God through the prophets, this child in whom those promises are fulfilled in such a way that every one of us would one day be able to experience this child as good news that would bring us great joy. And I want to talk about that for a moment. I want to make sure you heard what those angels said. Do you think if an angel is speaking and it's recorded in the Bible, it might be worth paying attention to? Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to verse 10 and just kind of think about it together. This is what it says. It said that the angel reassured them. Don't be terrified, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Say the next part out loud. Ready? Go. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The angels are making sure that nobody is mistaking this as just, aww, what a cute little baby. The angels are making sure that there's an understanding that this child is the fulfillment of the promises that have made. And the angels specifically give the clarity about who he is by saying, He's the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Everyone say, the Savior. The Savior. The Savior. And, and if you were Mary and Joseph, you're beginning to put the pieces together. If you're Mary and Joseph, you're remembering how the angels came before the pregnancy even happened and said, you're going to have a son? Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And this word matters. Say it again, Savior. See, these angels are announcing something that I think you and I need to pay some attention to. This, this word savior, it's the, it's the word soter. It, its root word is sodo, but it, what it means matters. It means to rescue from destruction. It means to deliver from penalties. It means to heal. It means to make whole. And what the angels are saying by saying he's the savior is saying, this child, Jesus, does that he rescues from destruction, and he does. He rescues every one of us who turn to him from an eternal destruction, and he delivers from penalty. It's what the Savior does. He delivers me and you from the penalty that should have been mine. If I think that I can just do whatever I want, harm whoever I want, do whatever junk I feel like doing, and that it won't matter, I've got another thing coming. There is penalty, but what Jesus does is takes care of the penalty for me, and He's the Savior, and that means he heals. 
He heals the sickness in me. He heals the, he heals the disease in me. He heals the parts of me that are torn apart, and he makes whole. It's what it means when it says he's the savior. He makes you whole. Those parts of you that have been shattered by the darkness of this world, it is the savior, Jesus, who's able to heal what's been damaged and make whole what's been torn apart. It's who he is. He's the savior. Ah, but for Mary and Joseph, he's also still baby Jesus. And what that means is if you're a good Jewish family, which they were, you got something that you need to do. And Mary and Joseph, as a good Jewish family, recognized, okay, it's time to take our baby and dedicate him to the Lord. And that's part of the Christmas story. It happens next in Luke, uh, in Luke chapter 2. And as they're making their way to the, to the temple, at the temple, there's a guy named Simeon. And Simeon is a prophet. He's a person filled with the Holy Spirit and, and looking at things beneath the surface and beyond the obvious and seeing what can only be seen with spiritual eyes. And Simeon, when he sees the baby Jesus, <laughs> he, he, he is absolutely ecstatic. And this is, uh, this is what we read in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 27 and following. It says uh, that Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required. And Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Say that next phrase out loud with me. Say it. I have seen, aw, cute little baby. No, no, no. Simeon looks at this cute little baby and says, there's no way that is just a cute little baby. I have seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. He's a light to reveal God to the nations. This is Simeon saying, I've been holding on to all those clues, all those hints, all of those promises. When, when Isaiah said, those dwelling in the land of darkness, a light will shine. And Simeon is saying, and this is the light right here. Now, I think... I think maybe for some of us, it's pretty easy to recognize how much we need the light. Maybe for others of us, we're not quite ready to put it into words, but we might even be willing to acknowledge, okay, I get it. There's darkness out there in the world, and there, there's rage, and there's riots, and there's wars, and there's uh, you know, all kinds of social problems, and there's racism you know, out there somewhere. But if we were a little bit more honest we might have to acknowledge that it's not just about out there somewhere, but that that problem of darkness is, is in here somewhere too. And, and it's important that we are able to address that darkness and not sweep it under the rug or pretend it doesn't exist, but to, to actually address it. it. Dealing with the darkness matters. Speaking of darkness, uh, the last couple months I was looking into darkness and I was trying to find some black paint and I discovered that not all darkness is created equal, and in particular, that not all black paint is created equal. And so I found 
the blackest paint in the world. And I bought some of it. It's called Black 3.0. I bought a couple of bottles of this stuff, and it is certifiably the darkest, blackest paint in the entire world. It absorbs 99.6% of ambient light. I was geeking out about that. I'm like, I got to see this stuff, right? So I bought it, and uh, then uh, I, I painted this black board right here with the Black 3.0, the blackest paint in the world. And the, uh, the maker of that paint calls it a black hole in a bottle. And I didn't know why he called it that until I got it and I painted this thing. And you could barely see it. Why? Because it really does. It absorbs 99.6% of all ambient light. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. For just a moment, I want you to imagine this black board right here, painted with black 3.0, the blackest paint in the world. I want you to let it represent, for just a moment, the darkness, the darkness of the human condition, the darkness of despair and hopelessness, the darkness of addiction, the darkness of rage and bitterness and envy, the darkness of unforgiveness, the darkness of hatred, like whatever the darkness is. And I'm not asking for anybody to raise your hand and talk about your stories of your darkness. Just asking you to let this represent that for a moment. When we finally acknowledge, okay, that darkness is real, and, and I, I got to deal with it. What we sometimes do is we say, right, the darkness is there, but I'm going to deal with it. I got a plan. I can do it. I can deal with it for myself. And we do things like this. We say, you know what? I, I'm going to, I got problems with the relationships, but I'm going to read a self-help book, and I'm going to go to a relationship seminar. I'm listening to a relationships podcast, and I'm even going to use the Calm app on my phone but I still hate that girl, right? And, and in a sense, what we've done is we've, we've lit our own candle, so to speak. But do you see what's happening here? Black 3.0, it really is the blackest paint in the world, and it does absorb 99.6% of the ambient light. Anything else would give off a reflection from this candle. This just absorbs it. And it's not that it was wrong to make an attempt to deal with darkness on your own some way. It's just that it's completely ineffective, but, but we keep going. We say to ourselves, well, no, but I'll just, I'll just try harder. I will just personally try harder to be a more moral person, and well, I'll try to do more good deeds, and I'll even, you know, help a, a sick animal across the street, right? <laughs> like, do you see what's going on here, though? It just, it, it's just not, I was going to say, it doesn't hold a candle <laughs> to the darkest dark in the world. It just doesn't. This Utter darkness just absorbs that. The invitation of Christmas is to learn to live differently. The invitation of Christmas is, is to go beyond our own candlelight attempts of our own, but instead to learn to live in the light that defeats the darkness. That's the invitation. I want to invite you. I want to challenge you a bit today. To this Christmas, go beyond, oh, Christmas, it's my nice little holiday thing with the family. But instead, go into the reality of what it's all about, actually, which is the light that defeats the darkness. And that light has a name. And his name is Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke, and he made this declaration about himself. He spoke to the people once again, John 8, 12, and it says that he made this declaration. Maybe you can say it with me. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, say it, I am the light of the world. Say it again. 
I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is Jesus saying, the prophet spoke this promise. I fulfilled the prophet's promise. I am the light that Isaiah spoke of. I am the light of this world. And the invitation is to learn to live in his light. Live in the light that defeats the darkness. So this black 3.0, it's super dark. It's incredible. And I was glad to make this little discovery. But I also made another discovery. And that is I found out that there is one flashlight that is the brightest flashlight in the world. I mean, if you're going to have the blackest black paint in the world, you might as well look for some. And so I found the, the brightest flashlight in the world. It's called the DX80. And this thing is amazing. I, I read about it. I was amazed. I, let me put it like this. Your, your light hanging in your kitchen it goes at about 200 lumens. If you have a floodlight out in front of the garage in, on your driveway, it probably shines at about 800 lumens. Your high beams on your car, when you click the high beams, they're about 1,200, maybe 1,500 lumens. The DX80 flashlight, 32,000 lumens. Come on, people, that's bright. I, I read about it, and I was just like, I got to have that light. <laughs> so I bought the DX80 because I wanted to know, what would it be like for a man to hold 32,000 lumens out of his hand? You know. So uh, I, I bought it, and I'm going to show you. This is what 32,000 lumens looks like. Boom. Boom, right? I mean, that's with all these lights on in this place. I can't even shine it at you. It will blind you. <laughs> but it's so cool to see it. But I know what you're wondering right now. Because I was wondering. That's why I got it. <laughs> what can the DX80 32,000 lumens of light do to the blackest black 3.0 paint? Well, I'll show you. When you have the light this bright, that darkness doesn't stand a chance. Come on, look at that. It looks like it's practically white, that black paint right there. Because this is the brightest flashlight in the world. And what I came to tell you this Christmas is that Jesus Christ is the DX80 light of the world. And the darkness doesn't stand a chance when you have the light of the world, Jesus, with you. It, here's what I'm talking about. I, I don't mean to say that if you have Jesus that you won't experience dark times what I mean is that if you have Jesus, you will have the light that makes a way for you to keep walking even through that darkness. And if you have Jesus, the light of the world, you have a way to keep on fighting those shadows because you have an eternal hope that's tethering you to an eternal glory, the brightness of which shines even in the midst of the darkest darkness there is. And because of Jesus Christ, all is bright in his glorious light. It doesn't matter how dark that darkness looks. When you have the one who said, I am the light of the world, you have the light that shines no matter how dark it is. And, it, and when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's a dark place, when you have Jesus who is the light of the world, you have the one who's able to illuminate the path before you. 
When you have Jesus, the one who is the light of the world, you may face darkness, but you face it with the one who is able to be the word, who is a light to your path and a lamp unto your feet. And in the valley of the shadow of death itself, the light of Jesus shines in such a way that you can keep going and keep moving forward because hope is on the rise and the light of Jesus is shining. He's the light of the world and in him, all is bright. Come on and give him some praise for a moment. There we go. So, so Jesus is emphatic about this. This isn't just a one-time thing that he addressed. I mean, the beginning of the Gospel of John says Christmas this way. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And then in John chapter 12, Jesus is speaking about this more, and this is what he says about himself. It says in John chapter 12, verse 44, Jesus shouted to the crowds. In case you were wondering why I shout, I'm just following Jesus. <laughs> Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you are not trusting only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. The idea that Jesus has is that you and I would be able to acknowledge the reality of darkness and not feel the need to sugarcoat it because all of us have contended with it. I mean, you in one way and you in another way and someone else in their own way. But what Jesus invites us into is a way of living that allows us to participate in life with the one who defeats the darkness. But Jesus says it with an if clause. He says, if anyone trusts in me. And my question to you is, have you answered that if clause in your own life? Many of us who, who are here would say, I have. I've settled the if question. I do trust in Jesus. And because of that, you know what it's like to wake up with your sin forgiven. You know what it's like to live another day with the grace of God as the foundation for your life. You know what it's like to live another year with the power of God moving in and through you, making life possible in ways that just wasn't before. But for someone else, if you're here right now and you've never answered this, if you trust in me question of Jesus, I urge you to do that right now. I urge you to right now let the relationship begin. And that's what this is about. I know that you might be thinking, well, maybe one day after I settle all of my questions and really figure it all out, maybe then I'll do this. And I would, I would put it to you like this. I remember a day 20 years ago where I walked up to a woman on a, on a, on a college campus and introduced myself, and her name was Ann Lee. And I met her that day, and a relationship started that day. She's now my wife. But I did not know everything about her when the relationship began. In fact, I had a lot to figure out and learn, and still do. <laughs> but the relationship began, and I'm so grateful that a relationship began. And I want to pray for you today, if you're here and you haven't answered the if you trust in Jesus question, that the relationship could begin. Yes, there are many questions and many things to still discover, but the best context in which to ask those questions and do that journey of discovery is in the relationship with Jesus. And so I'm urging you today to answer that if 
question, if you trust in him. And today would be a first step day for some of us, to make that first step of saying, yes, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I have a lot of questions, and I, I will figure those out as I go, but it's about saying fundamentally, I get it. This darkness thing, my own candlelight attempts to fix it myself aren't going to work, and I need your light to shine into my life for forgiveness of my sins, for the real hope of heaven. So I want to pray right now that for many of us that could happen, an awakening in the, in the spiritual things could happen right now. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for Christmas. Thank you that the big picture of Christmas tells us you did not want to be <laughs> some kind of a distant, faraway, unknowable deity. You want to be known. Thank you for what Christmas shows us, that you're willing to come right up into the dirt with us, right where we are. Thank you, Jesus, for embodying God in our here and now space so that we could encounter God in our here and now lives. I pray right now for a spiritual awakening. I pray, God, for some of us to wake up spiritually right now. If you're sitting here and you're listening to me pray and share this message, but something is stirring inside of your heart, it's probably because God is on the move. In some cases, calling you back home to him. Because you remember a time when you were eight and nine and ten and you felt the warmth and the closeness of God's love. And you miss it. But it's like as though right now the Father is saying, oh, I long for you to come home. And for somebody, that's the awakening that needs to happen now. And his arms are open. He's not looking for you to fix everything and make it all pretty. No, no, no. Just, he's saying, come home. Arms wide open. For somebody else, it's like I, what I see spiritually is, is a picture, a vision, and it's just Jesus kind of reaching out his hand to you with an earnest, welcoming look on his face. And it's for you saying, I, I got you. Just grab hold of my hand. I got you. And maybe the best thing for somebody to do right now is just to once and for all give your trust to Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. The, the way this all begins is with a simple exchange where once and for all you cross the line where it's no longer about, well, I guess this is good for some people over there, but where you say, this is good for me, for the darkness inside of me to be dealt a death blow by the one who is life and light, Jesus. So, so the way you do that is you just start, the, kind of the first rung of the ladder would be just to say, Jesus, I believe in you. That's where it all begins. As simple as that. Jesus, I believe in you. So for somebody today, this is what you need to do. You need to make a first time declaration saying, okay, this is it. Jesus, I believe in you. I have more to learn, obviously, but I'm ready to begin this relationship. Jesus, I believe in you. For somebody else, man, you've been wandering, and it's like you've been out in the cold, and all the while the Father is saying, come inside. I love you. Come on home. For somebody, that's, that's what the step is today. Come home. So first, if, if you were here today and you would say, this is new for me, but this whole darkness thing, that's real. And, and I need the light of Jesus. I need his 
forgiveness. I need to know that my sin is forgiven. I, I need him to be my savior. If that's you, right now, if you're willing to say, I want to ask Jesus to save me and forgive me, I want you to just raise your hand. That's just you honestly saying, I get it. I need a savior. I need exactly what the angels said about him. Just raise your hand and keep it up because I want to connect with you. I see several of you in the middle here. I'm very happy to see you raise your hand. Over on my right, uh, I want you to just raise your hand if that's you. If you're saying, I want to ask Jesus to be my savior. Right there in the back, I see you. It's excellent. I don't want to miss anybody. This is important. Right here, excellent. Over on my left, if that's you, you just raise your hand. You're saying, I want to ask Jesus to be my savior. Thank you, sir. That's excellent. I see you, young man. That's good. Right over here, I see you. That's great. I see you, man. Excellent. I see both of you. Good. Good. Now, those of you who had your hand raised, the next thing you could do is just pray. That's just talking to God. He's here. He's always here. And so when we talk to God, we just speak like we're talking to a friend or one who we know loves us. And maybe the best thing to say right now, you've just raised your hand, take it a step further and just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Just say it with me. All together, say it. Jesus, I believe in you. Just say it one more time with me. Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive my sin and save my life. Be my Lord and my Savior from this moment on. Now, someone else, I'm praying for you because you have known God's goodness and love, but it's become like a distant memory to you. But here and now, I'm inviting you. I'm speaking an invitation that I feel is from our Heavenly Father, and it's to come back home. It's to come back to the closeness, to the warmth of the fire that you know the goodness of. You don't have to stay out in the cold. He's not waiting for you to fix it all and make it all pretty before you're allowed back. He's saying, no, right on, right now, come on in. And so if that's you, if you would say, that describes how I feel. And if you want to just come home and give your heart back to your heavenly father tonight, would you just raise your hand? I just want you to make it known. I need to do that. I need to give my heart back to him. I want to come home again. Just raise your hand. Thank you. I knew there were a few of us right in the middle. That's so good. Anyone else? I don't want to miss you. On my left, I just want to make sure I connect with you. I knew there would be a couple of us in that kind of a place tonight. Right here? It's good. And you pray too. You say, Father, thank you for welcoming me back. I'm home. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Okay, there's about seven more minutes in this service. Don't leave yet. I want you to enjoy God's goodness for a few more moments uh, before, we, before we go. Let's set our hearts in a posture of worship even as we wrap up this time.